This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Now, let's get into the Word tonight. We're going to be talking about reigning in life and learning how to exercise our authority. And so as we get into to new territory, I want us to allow the Word of God to saturate our thinking. I want us to allow the Word of God to saturate our heart. And in order for us to live at a different level, we've got to think at a different level. Amen? Amen. And so we've got to be willing to open up and say, our Lord, I'm expecting. I'm expecting revelation. I'm expecting insight. I'm expecting growth. I'm expecting. Say, I'm expecting. I'm expecting. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. This is going to be our foundational scripture for tonight. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. That's in your notes there. And it, in the Amplified, it says, For if because of one man's trespass, lapse, offense, death reigned through that one. Now he's talking about Adam. Whenever Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, man was separated from God, and death reigned. Death reigned. That's what used to reign over you and I before we made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And when death reigned, everything that came with death, being separated from God, that means sickness, that means disease, it means lack, it means the curse, it means failure, it means anything that kills, steals, and destroys. So it says, for by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one. Say, that's no longer me. Much more, surely... Will those who receive God's overflowing grace, His unmerited favor, and the gift of righteousness, the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with Himself, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. In the New King James translation, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, say, that's not me, much more, now, now this is us, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So we see by, by grace and the gift of righteousness, we will rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. It is not right for the body of Christ to be ruled over by sin. It is not right as children of God for death to rule over us, sickness to rule over us, lack to rule over us, anything that kills, steals, and destroys to rule over us. And for too long we have laid down and let the devil have a heyday with us. And it's time for us to rise up and to be who God's called and created us to be. See, when Jesus comes back, He's not going to come back for a bride that's laying on the canvas of life and blood gurgling out of our nose and just saying, Oh, come Jesus, come quickly, Lord Jesus, help me. No, He's going to come back for a victorious bride, a bride that is strong, a bride that knows who she is in Christ Jesus. And we are called by God to rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to say that. I, say this with me, I am created to rule and reign in this life through one man, Christ Jesus. 
Now, I encourage you to go through your house saying that I spent, I don't know how I'm driving today, of, of just declaring that out of my mouth because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You, you, look at, you look at your physical body. Body, you listen to me. I rule and reign over you. Immune system, I rule and reign over you. Finances, I rule and reign over you. Divine connections, I rule and reign over you. Doors, you open in Jesus' name. I rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. See, we have more power and authority than we've walked in. And so I'm expecting for this to grow on us. And it's going to take renewing our mind to it. It's going to take it getting into our heart, coming out of our mouth, saturating ourselves with the truth of God's worth because it is God's truth that makes us free and keeps us free. Amen? So go with me to uh, verse 21, Romans chapter 5, verse 21. And this is on your notes. So that just as sin has reigned in death, so grace is unearned, undeserved favor, might reign also through righteousness, right standing with God, which issues in eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. So we see that, okay, death once reigned. But then God sent Jesus to get the dominion and authority back for us. And he says, by grace, grace being God's supernatural ability, by grace and the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness brought us into right standing when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. It isn't because we feel righteous. It isn't because what we've done has made us righteous besides accepting Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are made in right standing with God. Because we receive the overflowing grace. Say, that's me. So I want you to see yourself, the overflowing grace, not just a trickle of God's grace, not just a trickle of His favor, not just a trickle of His ability. Much more will those who receive God's overflowing grace. Receive means to take, that I'm going to take the ability of God. I'm going to take the grace of God. I came into the family of God by grace and I'm going to walk in my inheritance by grace and I'm going to overcome by grace and I'm going to stay free by grace, but also my right standing, understanding that I belong in the presence of Almighty God, that He's not holding my sin against me. He says, when we begin to get a hold of the grace and our righteousness, then we're going to step into rulership like we've never walked in before. Amen. We are designed by God to rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let's look at this. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So in the very beginning, and we've, we've talked about this, that okay, when God created man, see what he created, he created us out of himself. The word make comes from a Hebrew word which he formed from something that already existed. So when God brought the, the earth of the ground together, what he made, and he breathed life in, to what he made. So what he created was placed in what he made. And he says, now I give you dominion. You're made in my image. The word image in the Hebrew means the exact duplicate. It means the exact substance. It means a copy of Almighty God. That we are made in his image and his likeness. The word likeness means that we are to function just like our Heavenly Father functions. So in the very beginning, God made us to have dominion. Say, I've made to have dominion. Now, the word dominion means to be established as a sovereign kingly ruler, a master, a governor responsible for reigning over a designated territory. I want to pause there for a moment. That each and every one of us in this room, 
and each and every one of you watching by TV, we have a responsibility to rule and reign in the area of influence we're called to. Whether it's in the business world, whether it's in the ministry, wherever you are called to be, we have a responsibility to walk in our dominion and walk in our authority in that territory. So how are we doing responding with the abilities that God has given us? Response, ability. Respond with the ability that God has given us. He's made us in His image and in His likeness, and He gave us dominion. Say, He gave me dominion. dominion. The devil does not rule over me. Say that. The devil does not rule over me. Sin does not rule over me. Sickness does not rule over me. Lack does not rule over me. Psalms chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, it says, For you have made him a little lower than the angels. In the Hebrew language, the word angels is the word Elohim, which is the word for God. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. So he made us a little lower than himself. And he says, You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. God has made us to have dominion over the works of His hands. God has made us in His image and in His likeness to have dominion over the works of His hands. So from the very beginning, page 1, Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning, we're made in His image and likeness and He gave us dominion. The reason I keep saying is because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I'm wanting this Word to impart into your spirit, man, so we begin to believe different, think different, talk different, live different. Are you with me? Yes, sir. So let's go to the very end, Revelations chapter 20, 22. And you can read the first uh, four verses in your own time. But verse 5, notice this. It says, There shall be no light there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Now remember what Romans chapter 5 said, that we rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. The word reign means to have uh, dominion and royal power to prevail over circumstances, that God has created us to prevail over circumstances. He has created us to reign over circumstances. And for so long, we've just sat back and just thought, well, whatever will be, will be. So the very beginning, God made us in His image and likeness, and He says, I've given you dominion. Then you go to the very back of the book, and He says, I give you dominion. I've created you to rule and reign. And you see here in your notes the word reign there. I just want to, to read it correctly. It's to have royal power and authority to dominate or prevail over circumstances. Say, I'm created to reign. I'm created to reign. Now, you know that just like I do, we have been conditioned to think totally different from this. We've been conditioned in the church to think that we are unworthy, to think that we, we don't have any right and just whatever will be, will be. And we sing songs about begging and moaning and crying and, and, and the devil says, sing it again. <laughs> and so then we're moved with tears and oh, I'm so unworthy and I'm just a beggar. And he says, now sing it with gusto. Why? Because he knows we're going to believe us more than we're going to believe anybody else. So from the very beginning, God says, I've created you to have dominion. You go to the very back, and He says, I've created you to have dominion. Now go to Revelations 5.10, and it says, And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. 
and have made us kings and priests to our God, say that's me, and we shall reign on earth. So we see, and I could give you scripture after scripture of us ruling and reigning forever. So we were created by God to rule and reign, to have dominion. You go to the back of the book and we're going to reign forever and ever and ever. So we might as well go ahead and be okay with the idea while we're here on the earth. Because it's what we're going to be doing forever. Revelations 1, 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We are made to be kings and priests. Forever and ever. Now think about what, what does a priest do? The word priest there, I put it in your notes, it means a chief ruler, a prince, an officer. A priest is one who comes near to hear. He says, I have made you to be kings and priests. What does a priest do? A priest is supposed to come near to hear what God is saying. What does a king do? A king goes and executes what he's heard. Are you with me? He says, I've made you to be priests. Come near to me to hear what I'm saying. And now be a king. Go out and execute what I'm telling you to do. He says, I've made you in the very beginning to have dominion, to rule and reign. The very end, I've created you to rule and reign forever. You're called and created by God to be a, a king and a priest. Romans chapter 5, he says, now in the meantime, you're supposed to rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. Say, I'm created to reign. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. I want to read it again. You're a chosen generation. Say, that's me. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, His own special people. I want each and every one of us to see God speaking to us that, you know what, you're special. Your, your dream is special. Your wiring is special. Your assignment, it is special. We've got to start taking ownership of the way that God looks at us. And He says, you are special to me, and I've called you to be a royal priesthood. I've called every one of you to come near to here, and I've not only called you to be a priest, I've called you to be a king. Now go out and execute what I'm telling you. He goes on to say, to proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to pause here for a moment. How long has it been since you've spent just a little bit of time praising God for bringing you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Because sometimes we can get so used to everything that we forget where we've come from. How long has it been since we just said, Father, thank you that I'm no longer, I once was addicted, but now I'm free. Father, thank you that I'm not under the bridge somewhere with nowhere to live. Thank you, Father, that I, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for the clothes that we have. Thank you that our minds work, our eyes work, our ears work. Thank you, Lord, that the devil does not have power and authority over me. Thank you, Lord, that the air conditioner can, can get a little cooler in here. <laughs> Hint, hint, somebody ask them to turn up the air, please. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that he's called us out of darkness. Thank you, Lord. So a priest comes near to here. And how does a king reign? Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4. 
where the word of a king is, there's power. How does a king reign? Think with me for a moment, because whether you feel like a king or not, God calls you a king. Whether you feel like a priest or not, if you're born again child of God, God calls you a priest. Yeah, you might not stand in the priestly office of ministry, but we're all called to come near to here and we're all called to go out and execute what he's told us to do. Right? How does a king rule and reign? Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Amen. How does a king rule and reign? Where the word of a king is, there is power. If a king needs something, all he does is say it and he expects it to get done. Yes, right? We should be speaking to our finances and expect things to change. We should be speaking to our physical bodies and expecting things to change. We should be speaking over our kids and expecting things to change. We should be speaking like a king. Where the word of a king is, who's the king in here? We are, right? Take ownership of that. Where the word of a king is, there's power. The word power means the ability to get results. The word power is the ability to get results. Who has the power to get results in your life? We do, right? It isn't just for certain people. God's not sitting up there in heaven just kind of drawing a name out of a hat who He's going to show up for. He's not a respecter of persons, but He is a respecter of faith. So we've got to know if God is wanting us to rule and reign, how do we rule and reign? Well, a priest comes near to here. And a king, where the word of a king is, there's what? There's power. There's power. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are where? In the power of the tongue. Now, do we really believe that? I've shared this with you before, but our youngest daughter, Chloe, she did an experiment a couple months ago and we had, we, we hung up two different plants on our fireplace and this plant's over here. Uh, they, got, they, both, they both got the same amount of water, the same amount of light. They would take these plants out and they would just speak death over these plants. You're no good, you're unfruitful, you're ugly, you know, nobody likes you. I mean, just like a country western song right over the top of the deal, okay? And these were, these, these plants right over here, they were only spoken life to. You're fruitful, you're loved, you're blessed. And it was so funny because my oldest kids, they came in, they hadn't seen the plants in a couple of weeks. They come in and, and it was just, it was amazing how you could tell the difference between these plants over here were shriveled. And these plants over here were flourishing. Judy saw it. I mean, just the power. Jared saw it. It was, it was, so, it was so cool of just to be able to see the difference between life and death. The power of life and death is where? In the tongue. In the tongue. Go with me to Job chapter 22. Where the word of a king is, there's power. Say, that's me. That's me. Job 22, verse 21 through 30, in the Amplified, it says, Acquaint now yourself with Him. Now, we're learning how to rule and reign in this life. Okay, and so when we read something, we've got to ask, okay, can I see myself in this Scripture? Is this me? Am I, am I being a doer of the Word of God? James tells us it's only the doers that get results, right? It's not just the churchgoers. It's not the hallelujahs. <laughs> it's the doers. So he says right here, Acquaint now yourself with Him. Agree with God and show yourself to be conformed to His will and be at peace. 
Think about that. Am I getting acquainted with God? How often are you spending time with God? Is it just Sundays? Is it just when you come here? Is it just... He says, acquaint now yourself with Him. Agree with God. How, how Are you agreeing with your circumstances or are you agreeing with God's Word? It's smart for us to agree with God over what we feel, over what we see, over the circumstances that we're facing in life. Say, agree with God. Say, I'm that smart. <laughs> I'm that smart to agree with God. He says, agree with God and show yourself conformed to His will and be at peace. I did a leadership teaching this morning and we were talking about going from trained to transformed. That you know in, in the church world we can be trained to be Christians. We, we, we come in and we say the right thing. We come in and we hold our Bible a certain way. And, and we come in and we smile a certain way. And how are you doing? Oh, bless you, brother. I'm doing just fine. And on the inside you are miserable, you are broken, and you are hurting. It's not just the trained that, that see the power of God. It's the transformed. It's the ones who have who've heard the Word of God, who've applied the Word of God, who've allowed the Word of God to get in them and on them. There's a transformation, right? You can, you can go get your horse and a rope and call yourself a cowboy and, and you can begin to, to think, okay, this is cool. I got a horse or I must be a cow. But until you begin to apply the principles and the transformation takes place, you're nobody but just with a horse and a rope. You, you might think you're a farmer. You grow a little tomato plant that's in a, a pot and this one plant comes up and you just think, well, I'm just a, I'm a farmer. Look at me. I'm a no, you're not. You're a tomato, one plant growing person is who you are. <laughs> See, there's transformation. I've got to ask myself, am I just plain or is transformation taking place in my life? Because when we're transformed, there's power. When we're transformed, we stay free. When we're transformed, our life changes for the better. When we're transformed, we overcome. When we're transformed, we think different, believe different, talk different, live different. He says it's smart when we agree with God. Say, I'm that smart. I know you are. He goes, by that you shall prosper and great good shall come to you. Say, that's me. Receive, I pray you, the law and instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart if, if you return to the Almighty and submit and humble yourself before him, you will be built up. So notice that we are staying in relationship with God. We're going to walk in peace. Great good is going to take place in our life. We're going to receive the word of God. We're going to honor the word of God. He says, and what's going to happen is you're going to be built up. Not tore down, you're going to be built up. There's no way you can hang out in the presence of God. Now, you can be religious and get the crud kicked out of you. But if I'm truly after the presence of God, I could be going through all hell on earth. And I'm going to come out of my prayer time built up. With my gloves on, saying, come on. But that doesn't happen by just going through the motions. It doesn't happen by just going through church on the way to your next thing, thinking, oh, bless the Lord, I must be good with God now. No, we're talking, how do I rule and reign? Don't give me some, this thing that's just going to make me feel better. How do I walk in the power of God? How do I get the Word of God to come out of the Bible into my life? How do I do this? Now, it's going to take consistency. You can't, and we're going to talk about this here in a minute, you can't just try it for a little bit. It, it has to be a quality decision that I'm going to believe God over what my body says. I'm going to believe God over what my bank accounts say. I'm going to believe God over what anybody else says. I agree with God. Yes. 
Say, I agree with God. And there's times that you've got to look at God's word because it, your life doesn't look anything like what the Bible says and you've got to make a decision. I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth what God says and I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by the word of the living God. God is true. The devil's a liar. God is true. The circumstances are a liar. They have to change in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's keep going. He says, if you return to the Almighty, submit and humble yourself before Him, you will be built up. Say, that's me. That's if you put away unrighteousness far from your tents, if you lay gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir, Ophir among the stones of the brook, considering them of little worth, and make, now notice this, and make the Almighty your gold and the Lord your precious silver treasure, then you will have delight in the Almighty and you will lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer to Him and He will hear you and you will pay your vows. You, because of your relationship with God, you've been a priest, you've come near to here, he says, you will decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your way. It says, because you're coming near to here and you're hearing what God is saying to you, you're making a quality decision. I'm going to say what God says. He says, when you decide that, a quality decision, not I'm going to try it. But I've decided I'm going to live for God. I've decided I'm going to say what God says. I've decided that I'm the healed of the Lord. That's who I am. I've decided that I'm blessed. I've decided that I'm victorious. I've decided. He says, now you begin to decree it because you truly got it from God. You're just not throwing it off the top of your head. You're not thinking, well, that sounds good what Vic said. I think I'll say that. No, we've decided. That if God has it for me, I'm going to walk in it. He says, now you start decreeing it, and it's going to be established. And the light of God's favor is going to shine upon your ways. What is God's favor? God's favor is divine assistance, special advantages, preferential treatment. It's God's supernatural ability upon your life. How does a king rule and reign? With his words. Where the word of a king is... There's power. Where the word of a king is, there's power. We should walk into our house and we should, and I'm not saying be arrogant and go around like your stuff don't stink. That's not what I'm saying. But understanding who we are in Christ Jesus, where the word of a king is, there's power, and I'm not settling for anything that kills, steals, and destroys. I'm not settling for it. Devil, you no longer rule over me. Sin, you no longer rule over me. Lack, you no longer rule over me. Disease, you no longer rule over us. Where the word of a king is, there's power. Go with me to Luke chapter 7. I didn't, didn't uh, type this out here. But I just want to go over here and I, I want to read. Where the word of the king is, there's power. So a priest comes near to here, a king executes. Where the word of a king is, there's what? There's power. Luke chapter 7, verses 1, it says, Now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Now, now I want to pause here for a moment. Notice who he's, they're talking about. They're talking about a centurion. They're talking about a soldier who had blood on his hands. They're talking about a man that God used 
that loved God. He was just fulfilling his assignment. God can use each and every one of us to add value to the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what you're called to do, where you're called to go. God can do a work in us and through us to make a difference in our world. Verse 6, Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. Say the word, and my servant will be healed. How, how, does, how does a king rule? By his word. Where the word of the king is, there is power. And notice the centurion says, you just, you just say the word. Because he realized where the word of the king is, there's power. Now he goes on to say, and, and I'm so thankful there wasn't religious people there to confuse Jesus at this time. <laughs> and try to talk him out of, no, no, you, that can't be what he's saying right there. Verse 8, For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, no, not in Israel. And he goes on, and he, he says, Go your way, your faith has made you whole. Where the word of a king is, there is power. When you track Jesus' ministry... Do we really truly realize that most of the time you don't see Jesus praying when it comes to circumstances in life? You see him saying. And a lot of times we want to pray about our circumstance when God is telling us to say. Now it's important to pray because a priest comes near to hear, but when you come out of your prayer time and get what the king is telling you, a king on earth, to say, then it's time to say, not pray. A few examples, John chapter 4, verse 46 through 54, Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke, and he went his way. Luke chapter 4, verse 39, He stood over and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served him. What was he doing? He was operating like a king, ruling and reigning on this earth. Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 42, Now a leper came to him, imploring to him, kneeling down to him, saying to him, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, as soon as he had spoken, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left and he was cleansed. And you can go throughout the Bible and he, he speaks to the blind eyes and he commands them to be open and they're open. He tells him, uh, the man at the pool of Bethesda, rise, take up your bed and walk. What was he doing? He is ruling and reigning in this life just like we're supposed to rule and reign. Amen? Amen. Now Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 it says, talking about Jesus, now He is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outrain or radiance of the divine, and He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding, maintaining, guiding, propelling the universe by His mighty word of power. Now, you can see that Jesus was the representation of God to us on the earth, but Jesus was also an example of how we're supposed to operate on the earth. He was a man just like you and I, anointed by the Spirit of God, and He said that we would operate the same way He operated. 
but we've been conditioned to think otherwise. Go back to the very beginning when man was created. Man was made in the image and likeness of God. And whenever God breathed life in them, the first thing he said is he blessed them. He empowered them to prosper, he says, and have dominion. That's the first thing they heard. I'm blessed and I have dominion. Think if that's all we ever knew in our life. You're blessed and you have dominion. And he goes on and says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. What was he saying? You're blessed, you have dominion, be fruitful, multiply, rule and reign. That's all you know. That's the way you're wired. That's the way you believe. That's the way you talk. That's the way you live. That's the way Adam was in the very beginning. But then because of sin, we were separated from God. But because of Jesus, he brought us back to that relationship with God. And now by the word of God, we've got to rewire, renew the way that we think, renew the way that we believe, renew the way that we talk and renew the way that we live. This is where the transformation comes into place. Re, R-E, the prefix in front of any word takes us back to the original. Adam, originally, you're blessed, walk in dominion, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. When we bring our mind back and connect it to the word of God, then we start walking in the dominion and authority that we are created by God to walk in. Where the word of a king is, there's power. And you see Jesus rule and reign. You see Jesus operate. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do will he do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask, the word ask in the Greek language is the word demand, whatever you demand in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Notice he's saying, not so you and I would be glorified, but the Father would be glorified. Why is it important for you and I to walk in victory? Why is it important for you and I to succeed? Why is it important? for you and I to walk in the promises of God because whenever you are being everything you're called and created to be it brings glory and honor to him the Bible says a wise person wins people's soul their mind their will their emotion you win them to you and you point them to him he says by this my father is glorified it is selfish of us not to walk in everything that God has called and created us to walk in well I don't like when they talk about me. It hurts my feelings. Get over it. That's selfish. There are people dying and going to hell, and you're sitting there laying on your backside, not willing to fight because you've been taught your whole life, well, just whatever will be, will be. We're designed by God to rule and reign. What does that look like for you? We've got to start ruling and reigning over us before we can rule and reign out here. He says, greater works shall you do. Greater works shall you do. He says, whatever you demand in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you demand anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I just want to give you a few more things, and, and, and we'll see where we go from there. So, so why doesn't this work? If we're created by God to have dominion and authority in the very beginning, just like Adam was, and you go to the back of the Bible, and we are created by God to rule and reign forever, and he tells us it is very important that you rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. How come it doesn't work for some people? Go, go with me to James chapter 3. I didn't put it in, in your notes there, but I, I want us to go to James chapter 3 because this is very important. 
James chapter 3. So I just want to give you a few reasons. This isn't an exhaustive list, but just a few reasons why this might not work for some people. James chapter 3, verse 2, it says, For we stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and that boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. So, so what, is he, what is he saying there? Now, I want you, I want you to picture just that little rudder on, on the big ship and the fierce winds are beating into that ship and the, 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 the captain decides, I'm going to go a different direction in my life and he turns the wheel. Is that ship going to turn immediately? It's going to take time, right? So what if we, we turn the wheel and we start turning with our tongue just like we stick a bit in a horse's mouth and we turn it whichever way that we want it to go? He says, this is what's happening whenever you get your words engaged, you give your life to the Lord. And now, remember, we're, we're smart, like we read out of Job 22, and we're going to start agreeing with God. And we're going to start saying what God says about our health. We're going to say what God says about our mind. We're going to say what God says about our family. We're going to say what God says about our business. We're going to say what God says. And we're just turning the ship. And even though there's fierce waves, and even though they're beating against the ship, and even though everybody else is talking opposite of what you're saying, you just keep turning it, and you keep turning it, and one year, and two year, and five year, and ten year, and twenty year, and thirty year, because you got to remember, you have thirty years of unbelief that you're having to undo. You might have forty, fifty, sixty, eighty years of unbelief that you're trying to undo, and we want things to change overnight. I'm not saying that they can't. That God is a God of suddenly. God is a God of miracles. But a consistent life change is going to take consistent word change, consistent thought change, consistent belief change. Even when the winds are beating against your boat, you just keep turning. You keep saying what God says, thinking what God says, believing what God says. You keep turning it, and eventually you're going to go an opposite direction of the way that you used to be going. But a lot of times in church, we, you know, I just, man, Ben, I just feel like my life's going south. I just, I don't want to go south, man. I don't want to go south. How about I just push the accelerator? Oh, I don't want to go south. And you push it. How about I turn on my hazard? Oh, I don't want to go south. What would you say? Trey, grab the wheel. Grab. I don't believe in wheels. I don't believe in the steering wheels. And that's what we say in church a lot of times. I tried it. It don't work. I don't believe in steering wheels. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So I'm glad I came tonight. We're designed by God to rule and reign. We are called by God to be priests, to come near to here. We're called to rule as kings. How does a king rule? Talk to me. With his words. Where the, where the word of a king is, there's power. Mark chapter 11. So why doesn't this work for some people? Mark chapter 11, this is, I'm just going to read part of it here, but I want us to, to, to notice something, verse 22 through 25. And Jesus said, 
Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, notice, notice, and even underline in your Bible, whoever says, that's one time, to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, underline believes, that those things he says he will, will be done, he will have whatever he says. So he says, say three times, he says, believe one time. Why doesn't this work a lot of times is because people say it, but they really don't believe it. Yes. People will, will say it every now and then, but they really don't believe it. Why doesn't this work? Because you might say it here in church. But as soon as the first wind hits your boat... <sighs> You whoop it back over there. You wonder why things aren't changed. Ah, that don't work. That don't work. Keep, keep going with me. People say things, but they don't say it in faith. Why does it not work? People say things, but they don't say it in faith. So how do we change? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How do I change? If I have a hard time believing in healing, how, how do I change that? I, I get healing scriptures, I choose to believe in my heart, and I declare with my mouth. And at first, you might not believe it a lick. But you keep turning the ship. And you keep believing it, and you keep saying it, and you keep believing it, and you keep saying it, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and so you're saying God's Word, and the next thing you know, you begin to sense faith rise, and now you're believing. There's a little bit more weight there. I do believe that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I am redeemed from the curse. And so you're turning your boat, you're turning your boat, you're turning your boat. I remember years ago, the Lord says, Trey, I want you to quit of course, in the natural, you've got to see your financial statements. But he said, I want you to see my word over the top of your financial statements. And I, I want you to declare my word over. Instead of seeing in the ledger the numbers, I want you to see Philippians 4.19. I want you to see Luke 6.38. I want you to see Proverbs 3.9 and 10. I want you to see Malachi chapter 3. I want you to see that. What, what are you doing? You're turning your ship. Yes. And at first, I remember this has been years ago. Now, 20 plus years I've been doing this. But I remember when I had my one, one horse in line, my horse from Mexico, and my single cab Dodge, and I was just in college, and I'm telling you, I was a mess and had nothing, but I began to say everything I put my hand to is blessed. I began to say that I give and it's given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over through the hands of men, it's given unto me. Begin to see God opens doors around the world for me. And it's, what, what am I doing? I'm turning my ship. I'm turning my ship. I'm turning my ship. I had no idea I'd be doing what I'm doing today all around the world. But what happened? I started turning my ship. Were there a lot of winds? You better believe it. They tried to knock my boat over, turn it upside down, spin it around a couple times. But you keep saying what God says. Keep turning, turning your boat. Keep turning your boat. Keep turning your boat. Keep turning your boat. Why doesn't it happen for some people? Because some people say it, but they truly don't believe it. And you're the only one who can really be real with yourself. And I've got to ask myself, am I just saying it or do I truly believe it? But then I want to say it until I believe it. Then the next thing you know, you believe what you're saying. And now you're saying what you're believing and everything's working together. Yeah. Are you with me? Read a few scriptures here. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. So in other words, if you run your mouth all the time, 
You don't value words. <laughs> Do you truly value your words? Most people don't value God's word or there'd be more people here tonight. Most people don't value their own words, so they just run their mouth and say whatever they want to say whenever they want to say it. What if, what if God talked like we did? Because everything God says, it's going to come to pass. What if, what if God were to crank up the power, and here we are, you're driving down in the traffic, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Think about if everything that everybody said in all the cars and bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic, if it came to pass right then. <coughs> <laughs> I mean, you just see cars exploding. You say, ah, idiot. You just see people tweaking out. I mean, you see all kinds of stuff. <laughs> in order for God to turn up the power in our life, we've got to be more selective with what we say. When we're more selective, then we're more effective. When I'm more selective, I'm more effective. If I just want to run my mouth all the time, there's not going to be much power in my words. I'm thankful that God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, aren't sitting up there. And I mean, the Father looks at Jesus and says, I mean, Jesus, that just tickles me to death. God falls off his throne dead. That's kind of extreme, but that's what would happen if he talked like we do a lot of times. Oh, oh man, that's just killing me. <laughs> Ephesians 5.1 says, Be imitators of God as dear children. Does God's word come to pass? How do I get his word to come to pass in my life? I've got to make a decision that I'm going to believe it, and I've got to say it. Regardless of the circumstance, I've got to turn the boat. Regardless of what I feel, I've got to turn the boat. Regardless of what the finances look like, I've got to turn the boat. Regardless of what the situation, I've got to turn the boat. Look at your neighbor and say, turn the boat. Number two, why doesn't this work for some people? People don't have a right to speak into the situation. Now, what I mean by that, why doesn't it work a lot of times? Because people will try to speak into your situation when they don't really have a right to speak into your situation. Why doesn't this work more often? One, people say things that they don't really believe. They say it, but they really don't, haven't released their faith. Number two, they don't have a right to speak into your situation. That's why a lot of times you'll hear me, people come up, hey, can you pray for me? Because they're wanting my prayers to work in their life. And so you'll hear me ask them, okay, what do you believe in God for? Because your words have more power than my words in your life. I don't have a right to come around to your house and say you're blessed and you're healed and, and the blood of Jesus covers you and all that type of stuff. And then you, as soon as I walk off, you run your lips and you talk totally different. You have more authority in your life, your words do, than my words do. So that's why it's important to add, instead of just jumping up and, man, pray with me, brother. Wait, hang, hang on a sec. What, what are you believing for? Because you might have the faith, you might be at a place where, man, I can believe God, that, that, that tumor will fall right off of you. But they're just, they're, they're believing, man, I just want the doctors to have wisdom. 
And so it doesn't do us, and, and have I done it wrong? I don't even know how many times I've done it wrong. But it doesn't do us any good not to get results. Have I done it right? Yeah, more times than I don't even know how many times I've done it right. And I like the results from doing it right better than I do the results of doing it wrong. So why doesn't this work? Because a lot of times people don't have a right to speak into the situation they're being asked to speak into. You with me? Because we've got to discover, okay, God wants us to rule and reign, but okay, how do I do it? Where the word of the king is, there's power. I come near to here, I get what the king is saying, and I execute it. But, but then what is it going to take for it to come to pass in my life? Consistency. Consistency. And realizing that you have more power and authority in your life than anybody else does. Number three. People can undo their prayers with their words. People can undo. Why doesn't this work? Because if I'm in your presence, more than likely, I mean, it, it, it's pretty comical sometimes that people, they'll totally change whenever I walk into their, their presence. They'll hide their beer, they'll put their cigarette down. I'm thinking, I hope they don't burn their jacket or something, you know, or they're tweaking out or something like that. <laughs> I'm just like, man, just, just be you. That's between you and the Lord. It, but at the same time, then they'll come and say, will you, will you pray for me? And you pray, you agree with them, you release your faith with them. But as soon as you walk off, they start talking opposite of what you just prayed. I pray, God, that you supply all their needs. I pray that you open doors for them and they walk off. I don't know what we're going to do. Nothing ever good ever happens to me. I don't know if we're ever going to get out of this thing. We're, we're, we're going under. When we just believe God to go over, we just believe God to come out. We just believe God for the doorstone. We just believe God for healing in your body. And, and we pray for healing in your body. But as soon as, as soon as we leave the room, they start planning the funeral. So they're really not expecting what they just prayed. So why doesn't it work? Because we can pray, but you can undo your prayers by your words, not agreeing with God and talking different. Remember the turn in the boat, circumstance come, we'll be back over. I don't worry. That's what's happening. Why doesn't it work? Because people say it, but they really don't believe it. Why doesn't it work? Because we try to speak into situations that we don't have any right speaking into. Why doesn't it work? Because we undo our prayers with our words. God's saying, I'm, wanting, I'm going to open up doors. Of supernatural increase and it's time to rule and it's time to reign and it's time to run and the set time to rule is now the set time to reign is now the set time to run is now get ready get ready get ready but how do I take hold of this I believe it in my heart I declare it with my mouth and I start turning the ship I believe it in my heart I declare it with my mouth I start turning the horse I start believing in my remember where the word of a king is there's what there's power there's power. 